Good morning, this is your host Rusty James. It is Monday, August 17, 2015, and this is The Ride. Well friends, it's an exciting week this week. You know why? Because we're alive and we're kicking. And it happens to be a nice, sunny, slightly foggy morning. But it looks like the fog has rolled away. And we're we're seeing some clear skies. What a sweet Z28. That is nicely done. Clear skies ahead, it looks like. And uh, just pray right now that the Lord gives me wisdom, gives you wisdom in your devotion time with Him. I pray that the words on the page of Scripture just come alive for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this weekend I saw the movie Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. And man, there's a lot of parallels you get you could draw from from a movie like that it was, it was pretty pretty well done actually it had a lot of twists a lot of turns just the way it's supposed to very enjoyable but uh, I'm gonna get back to that in a moment if you've not seen it I think if it, there was I don't even think there was any swearing in this movie you know that's wild I I don't think there was Boy, that was refreshing. I don't think I recall any harsh swearing at all in this movie. Have you seen any movies recently where there's just F-bomb after F-bomb? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. They should know better, don't you think? I mean, and I, don't, I don't even think it's just me as a Christian that's offended by that. I think it, just most people are like, Give me a break already. You know, nobody talks like that. But, you know, in Hollywood, you know, one minute of movie time is probably filmed over the course of a couple days. So, you know, they're like, ah, throw an F-bomb in there. Today, we haven't heard one all day. Let's do it. Let's show the world that we mean business. And by the time they edit it all together, it's F this, F that. Sorry, I'm hoping I'm not offending you. I don't speak that way. But I'm just calling it out. On the carpet, yo. Hollywood, listen up. Enough of this drivel. Write a good story. Yeah, the Mission Impossible was a good story and they didn't have to resort to that ridiculousness. So, enough already. And there was no improper relations in this movie I actually uh, I like that I mean obviously I like that but I mean what I'm saying is it got my mind completely on the story and not off tangent on this other stuff so Hollywood listen up listen to what Tom Cruise does <laughs> Because he's the most moral guy there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know where he stands. 
But you know what? That got me thinking just now. Aren't we really quick to judge people? Yes, we are. Yeah, I, I remember I used to work at a steel mill. Probably about, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. Used to work at a steel mill. And uh, I remember being in a training class or something and with a lot of the hourly workers. I, I was kind of half hourly. I was a technician, worked with the computers. You're a typical nerd. And, uh, but this particular day I was in a training class and you know, you get all, all kinds of people uh, just a swath of the, you know, all types of people. And I remember this one guy, I never met him before, but he had the, your typical Harley look to him. He had a long beard. Um, he presented himself as a hard guy. And, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know if I ever remember seeing him wearing leathers like Harley paraphernalia on it and stuff but that's the look he had definitely and uh but i never met him and that man taught me a lesson that day he was in my subgroup in this training class and i had made a comment about his looks not in a bad way and in fact i thought it was in a way that would you know, acknowledge his uniqueness. I was being very decent. Uh, I think I made a comment, something like, you know, when you're doing training, we're in a training to give training or something. And so we were learning how to train different people. And I had made a comment like, you know, when you're training people, you got to understand the different personality types of who you're training. And like you, for example, you, and then I assumed too much. I said, you know, um, your your personality type would be different from his, and so yours might be this. And he took offense at that. He says, I don't think he was really, really, really offended where he got up in my face. Like you might expect somebody who looked like that would do, but like I'm saying, you shouldn't expect that. Because he said, you know, people misconstrue my look. I, I don't that's not who I am. I just happen to look this way. And I thought, that's, um, I got spanked right there in front of my peers. And, uh, not that I was, you know, did anything really wrong. In fact, I'm sure that the people around me, uh, in this class were kind of thinking the same way I was. But nonetheless, I was thinking wrong. I made a judgment about this guy that I shouldn't have. And, you know, at that point in my life, I started to really think about how I treat other people and what presumptions I make. And I started to... That's about the time of my life when I think I told you once before that I'd go to Myers, which is a, a, a grocery chain, a one-stop shop kind of place, 
and I would kind of go with the intent of meeting people or, or being Jesus to people um, and, you know, see where conversations would go. I'd be open to, open to conversations, I guess. And that's about the time that I started to really think about, I can't make snap judgments about people, you know? Don't walk into Walmart and assume that that person in line in front of you is a certain way. You might get spanked. So, and I also had a, a thought about that time. You know, there, there had been a lot of movies out, you know, which, like Mean Girls and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's a while back. Some of you may not know that movie. It's probably not one to recommend. But the point I'm making is, you know, Hollywood presents people in a certain light, and if they look a certain way, they must be a certain way. And I felt a lot of sympathy. I think we kind of know that that's how Hollywood treats people. Uh, they, they put a higher value on looks than they should. But that's what, I mean, it kind of makes sense. They want to sell something that looks good. So obviously you got to look good to, to be packaged with the package, you know. Whatever product they're making, a movie or a magazine thing, whatever. So we already kind of knew that you wanted to have this mercy to the person that doesn't look good, you know, because the world is already unfair to them, you know? And that's true. But guess what? I, I got a real sense back then that I needed to have mercy towards somebody regardless of, they, of their looks. For example, you think that the pretty girl has it easy? Nope. Pretty girls have a problem because there's always somebody prettier. I mean, a girl that's not at that level of prettiness maybe understands that, you know, she's not there and she just fine and if she can be fine with herself, which is all all you really need to do is be fine with yourself the way God made you then you're going to be you're going to be in good shape because God doesn't make mistakes and he made you so have that relationship with God your father and you will be the daughter that he had called you to be and that's the best person you can be but i had this compassion, I guess. Not that I knew too many, but I had this compassion for the girl who was the pretty girl because the world makes a snap judgment about her just like the Harley guy. And she might not be anything like the snap judgment you've got about her. So, boil all this down. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even matter what your personality type is. It doesn't even matter what you've done. We, are, we ought to treat each other like Jesus and God the Father treats us. 
and, and, and what that means is there's no favoritism. So I'm thinking of the scripture where it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, meaning let what you say and what you do be unwavering regardless of who you're dealing with. You know, lately I've been really feeling like a boldness has come up over me. And maybe it's because I'm not super young anymore. That doesn't mean I'm old, by the way. I didn't just say that I'm old. I just said I'm not super young. So as far as you're concerned, I could still be 25. Let's Let's just go with that. Okay. But at this point in my life... I have this, I feel like I have this boldness where I can say what I feel scripture is saying and what the Lord is saying to me and not be apologetic about it. And really for a great, great many years, I've always felt like I had to be cautious with what I say because maybe I was more concerned about what other people would say than I really ought to be. Or what other people might think about me. Well, enough of that. I don't know how many podcasts back it was, but I had made a comment. How would you live if if you knew that Jesus was coming back next year? You had one year, 365. What would that change? And I really hadn't thought about that before I said it. But now that I, now that I said it, or now that I had said it back then, it really got me thinking. You know, I don't know when he comes back. He comes like a thief in the night. But it seems to me like let's not waste time. Look where you're at today. You know, whatever place you're at, you got to where you're at right now, probably, you know, to the state of thinking that you've got, you were influenced by something, someone, and I would like to say that if you're following the Lord, there was something that influenced you that told you about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that caused you to hunger for it. And had that not been the case, where would you be today? Would you be clinging to your own ways? Uh, Just something to think about. And if you haven't come to know Christ in that way, I really want you to consider that what I've been telling you on this show is a reality. It can be a reality in your life. I know that many people hear this stuff and they go, oh, this is, eh, my grandma had that faith and I just not my grandma. Well, guess what? Good thing you're not your grandma. You're you. But Jesus died for you too. 
Christianity isn't caught in a certain time frame. Knowing Jesus Christ can be your today. And all you have to do is accept that He had died for you on the cross for the purpose of bringing you back into a relationship <clears throat> with God the Father, which was severed because of sin. You know sin, and you know what I'm talking about. I don't think I need to explain that. There is something that has caused us to want to live for our own self. And Jesus says, there is something higher than that. When you live outside of just for you, there is a incredible power, peace that comes over your life. Anyway, we may have a chance at the end of the show to set that thing straight. So today we're talking about, you know, judging folks. Now, I was reading Joshua, and I think it's going to be Joshua 11. Let's not drop the phone. So Joshua 11, pretty sure, um, this is a little bit after the falling of Jericho. And what God had told Moses is that when, when you go over into the promised land, you are to wipe out those living there completely. Wipe them out by the sword. You know, today's day and age, we hear that and we think, my goodness, God was meanie. You have to understand that the people in the land, it was an evil land. And God was conquering it for himself. Now, as much as we don't fully understand the war mentality and the way things were then. I mean, we don't even barely understand what it means to have kingdoms. You know, groups of people run by a king. It's just too far away from our democratic mindset. So just bear with us here that this is how conquering took place. Whether or not it gels with our current democratic methods, okay? But but God told Moses, God Almighty told Moses, when you go over there, you, you're going to be wiping them out. Now here's the interesting thing. So they started doing that. Jericho fell and I believe AI was a, another group and if I'm remembering right, they had gone out to conquer them and they got their <clears throat> they got their pants whooped and that's because if you remember they had hung on to some devoted things things that should have been destroyed completely but they hung on to them 
little prizes, little gold, little linen. God said that should have been destroyed and that had brought sin into the camp and they and they got taught a lesson. They took care of that problem, they completely devoted it to God, which means they destroyed it because it belonged to him. And then they were able to, if I'm remembering this right, they were able to conquer that uh, group. It might have been in just one day. I, I think it might have been, if it wasn't the same group, it was another one where God had them do an ambush. They One part of the army was all camped in the front. The, the, uh, the enemy came out of their city to attack them. But little did they know that Israel, that God had told them to have an ambush set up. So they had another contingent of uh, army people in another spot. So when the army came out to attack Israel, they came in and burnt the city down. And then when the army that went to attack Israel looked and saw that their city was burning... They realized that they there there had been a, a ruse, and lo and behold, the army, the part of the army that had set fire to the town, was on its way to get their backside, and they had nowhere to go, and they died, completely wiped out. But news of this kind of stuff spread to the inhabitants of the area of the of that promised land area and so this other group they decided to do a ploy they dressed up in dirty clothes and packed donkeys and mules and stuff that it looked made it look like they had a long journey moldy bread they packed, all this kind of stuff that would appear that they had had a long journey. Then they went to Israel, to the camp of Israel, and said, hey, we would want to make a treaty with you. We want to make a treaty with you. Spare us. And we're from a far off land. So they, they knew that if they had told them that they were in the area, that they would never have given them a treaty. In fact, they would have just cut them down and killed them because, and this, get this, they knew, they had heard that the word that had gone forth from God through Moses and then on to Joshua was that they needed, that, that the Israelites had to cut down everyone in the land. Well, they knew this and to preserve their lives, they did this ruse and it worked. Israel said, we'll make a treaty with you. And the scripture says that they did not consult God about it. So, that's step one of what the enemy did to Israel. Now, Israel is like a type of the believer of you and me and the other army is a type of our enemy 
which is Satan and the lies of the world. You know, Satan uses the lies of the world. And so think about this. The enemy, in this case, told a lie. We're from a far-off land. Make a treaty with me, which will protect me, and more importantly, it will protect the relationship between the enemy and Israel. It will ensure that there continues to be a relationship between the enemy and you. So, that treaty is kind of like what we do when we hear, when we concede some of our land that we've taken. Now, what I mean by that is, as Christians, you know, we need to conquer, we conquer day by day. We conquer bad thinking. I said stinking thinking the other day. We conquer that. How? With the Word of God that helps renew our mind so that our thinking lines up with God's thinking and not with the world's. But don't you know we're in a battle? Every day there's a new battle waged. You know, today I might feel like, and and I said feel like, it's interesting. We might feel like we're victorious in a certain area. But tomorrow we might not feel the same way. So now there's this element of not only is our mind involved, but our emotions. So today I might feel like God loves me. Here, let's just play this out. Let's say that I'm a a young lady now let's just say you are a young lady and today uh, your self-worth is bolstered because uh, some young gentleman uh, made you feel special made you, gave you a flower or just said a kind word to you and you feel special and all of a sudden your self-worth has skyrocketed And all it takes tomorrow is that new girl, that new girl that came to school, and that same boy recognized her and acknowledged her more than he acknowledged me yesterday. Uh Uh-uh. And then all of a sudden, self-worth goes out the window, and I was riding high, I was... God loved me because everything was running along just fine. And then the next day, new girl. And where's God when I need him? Well, (laughs) you were basing your whole thing on your emotions, for one thing, wrong. Because if you'd been using your mind that was renewed, you'd realize that who you are has absolutely nothing to do with a new girl. 
It's because God loves you. And more importantly, you got to recognize that God loves her too. So anyway, when, man, I just totally lost my train of thought again. What up with that? We are being renewed day by day. And it's a war that we're waging every day. And we gain ground and sometimes we lose ground. But the battle is in the I, I use the word vapor. It's in the vapor. It's in the it's in the environment. And that's why it's so important to be involved in a worship environment. You know, something changes when you have worship around you. Take a listen. There's a spirit of worship that we ought to be living in, like a cloud. Kind of like the cloud that rested on, uh, on the tabernacle in the Old Testament. You know, the Holy Spirit rested. And cloud by day and fire by night. It lit the way. It caused there to be vision even in the dark times. And it was apparent during the day. That's what we ought to be living with every day. Is that power of God. You, and you do that and it, it lessens the amount of ground the enemy can take from you. When you're in worship, something changes. Something changed back there when you heard that. You know, the fear of the enemy, fear can't get a hold of you when you're really worshiping God can't because you're tuned into a different environment it's like you've jumped from one plane to the next not like a mission impossible <laughs> I'm talking about PLA wait oh it is spelled the same way isn't it <laughs> PLANE I'm talking geometric plane not uh, aircraft yeah, but okay, I'll use that, Lord. It's like you're Ethan, Mission Impossible, and you've jumped from one plane to the next when you're in worship. I knew I knew there was a reason why I was talking about Mission Impossible today. Now I got something else to say about it, but we'll see where that goes. But when you're in worship, it's like you're jumping from one plane to the next. You're jumping from the mortal plane to the spiritual plane. And you know what the spiritual plane's got going on? That place has got angels. It's got 
principalities of the air. What that means is you've got the spiritual realm up there and it's kind of like you're tapping in and you're seeing what's going on. Kind of like in the Old Testament story, uh, Gideon. I think it's Gideon. Man, I should know this stuff better. I- I'm trying, guys. I- I'm, I'm trying to read more and more every day. I think it's the story of Gideon. When he, when he had his eyes open and he could see the angels all on all of the hills around this area that they wanted to conquer. I'm actually, I'm going to have to find out. Because a lot of these times I'm, I'm thinking I got it right. And I'm kind of wondering if I do. Because if I do, that means that the word did sink in. It's just I can't remember it consciously that it, that it actually is there. So I'm kind of, I've been finding out that I've been right a lot of these times. For example, Rahab. Rahab was the uh, harlot in Jericho that assisted the spies. And I was thinking that she was in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And sure enough, she was. Which speaks to the fact that no matter who you are, God can use you to bring forth fruit. But anyway, hey, I just passed the house. You'll notice I did not blow the horn because I didn't need to. I already have the house. And I pray blessing over that house. And I'm grateful that God didn't say that the house is devoted to him, meaning I have to destroy everything in it. (laughs) So I know I'm all over the place today, but that's just how I roll. So... Don't give up land. See, what had happened with Israel is they, they made this treaty with that group. And they said now, you know, the people grumbled about it. Why did we give a treaty to these people? I thought we were supposed to conquer them. And the leaders were like, I think maybe we should have consulted our Lord God Almighty. But they didn't. And they made an oath according to, uh, um, let's see, they made an oath as part of that treaty, which was a strong thing in the day, an oath was important, and they made an oath under God that they would not that they would spare them and, and make this treaty with them. So even though oh this is good, even though they disobeyed God, they gave an oath that they would let these people live. And they were worried that if they broke that oath and, and, you know, destroyed the people, that God would, that that would be sin and that God would punish Israel for it. So let that be a lesson to us. They were not consulting the word of the Lord and they made that decision. And then they're all messed over because now they had to hold to the to their man's thinking 
and they couldn't break away from that because then they were, you know, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. I can use that word that way. It's it's allowable. I didn't say it like Will Smith does. Anyway, so they so if we make decisions according to our own thinking, which is what they did. In fact, I don't even know why they would have really done that. I mean, what would have, what would the benefit have been? Okay, fine. So we have a treaty with a far-off land. We don't even know how big they are because technically they didn't even know who they were. Why would they do that? I don't know. But I wanted to touch on one other thing when it came to this kind of the conquering of the land business. And it's maybe not a pleasant thing to think about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So the enemy got in with this particular case, got this treaty with them. So it's like us saying to the enemy, okay, I'm going to agree that we'll have this relationship and I'm not going to destroy you out of my life. I'm going to keep you around. Even though I didn't listen to God, I'm going to just keep you around because, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's important. And that's sin in our lives. That's sin. God said, eliminate that stuff. Eliminate those people groups from the land, the promised land. And they didn't. And do you know that that's the first step in the problems that Israel encountered all the time? In fact, from, in, in fact now even, today... Israel has, that has bred the problem that Israel has. They did not destroy what needed to have been destroyed. They let these little pets stay around. And so here's the uncomfortable thing I wanted to bring up. Remember how I was telling you that when wars are fought back then, God was saying, those armies, you have to devote the land to me. And in, in some cases, God said, completely destroy everything, like with Jericho. Everything's got to be destroyed, except for Rahab's family. But everything, the town is done. Done. No arguments, that town is done. So, kind of like sin, sin, he says to us, that needs to be done. In some cases, he would let them plunder the city. You can take the animals and the precious metals, that kind of stuff, but everyone to the sword. Everyone. That's men, and that's women, and that's children. And that's the uncomfortable thing that I wanted to talk about, because even though we don't understand that and we can't actually put our head around that because it's just hard to understand why that was important. And so I'm not going to try to understand that. But what I am going to do is draw a parallel with sin in our lives. Because don't you know 
that there are things in our lives that are like the city that we were supposed to devote or completely wipe out. So there's a there's a there's a foundation of something sinful in our life. And God says that thing needs to be devoted to me. That means it's got to be gone out of your life. It has to be eliminated from having any effect. That's a good way of thinking about it. And what do we do? We may say, well, we'll justify that we will wipe out the men and the women. But those little babies, they're not going to hurt anything. We'll keep them around. They're not going to hurt anything. Do you know that the reason that God had that complete destruction in mind is because he knew that those babies would grow up to be fighting men and women. Sin, a little baby sin in your life, is going to mature. If you don't cut it off. I know it's a harsh thing. And it's harsh to even consider that that metaphor or that that symbolism here. So let's look at it a bit, little bit differently. Okay, so sin is like a weed in your life. You've got to not only cut the weeds and burn them, but you got to till the soil and get all the seeds out. You got to get all of the things that can grow into that sin and cut them off. Now, aren't you glad that God gives us help in that area? It's not all us. It's not all our doing that, you know, that we have to go figure things out. But, you know, sometimes sin is very deceitful. And like Mission Impossible, might be wearing a mask, might appear to be a nice little baby, not going to hurt a thing. Let me just hang around here a little bit. And before you know it, I'm going to turn into Chucky. And I'm going to be messing you up. No, I never actually saw those movies. To be honest, that Chucky character just about freaks me out. I think it's part clown, part goblin, part... No, thank you. (laughs) So, never had a draw on me. So... You know, the cool thing with Mission Impossible is you you know that they're going to do the mask thing. You know it. And they totally... I thought that I was pretty smart and savvy and could maybe write a screenplay someday. But every time they get me when I'm not expecting it with the mask thing. And I know it's coming. You know they're going to do it. And actually, <laughs> I thought I thought the mask was on somebody else, and so I was actually kind of one step ahead. But I, but I was wrong.
which is exactly what I was talking about earlier when we prejudge people. You might think you're one step ahead by judging their motives or, you know, or who they are or whatever. But what is it that I just said? We were one step ahead, but we were wrong. Man, I love how God just kind of turns things and makes things work out for me when I'm doing this. Because seriously, I'm just, I'm just talking to you. So let's not be one step ahead, but wrong. Let's follow him. We'll be two, if we follow him, we'll be two steps ahead of the enemy. If we don't, we'll think we're one step ahead of the enemy, but we'll be wrong. So let's not be wrong. Let's not make treaties with sin. And let's kill those baby seeds out of our life of sin before they can grow up into full-blown weeds of sin in our lives. Cool? All right. You guys stay in the word. Live in peace. Love your neighbor. Pray for those who persecute you. And I will see you on the flip. Hey, I'm back again. I forgot to mention something uh, before I signed out. So I really want to honor you right now. And if you're one of the listeners who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that we've been talking, you don't feel like you have a relationship with him and you've come to realize that you want that. I want to really encourage you to take this moment. This is a solemn moment. We're going to pray together. And we're going to ask Him to come into your life. It's not a weird, doesn't have to be a weird thing. All that really is doing is you're acknowledging that Jesus Christ did do what he said he was going to do and he died on the cross for your sin but more importantly he rose from the dead after completely paying for the sin that we all have had in our lives it's just part of our nature and if you recognize your need for that savior then you can be saved so why don't, why don't we pray right now, okay? Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. And, and maybe, maybe we've done this before, or maybe this is completely new. But Lord, right now we recognize who you are. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God the Father. And you died on a cross for my sin so that I could have a relationship with you. Lord, I ask that you would come into my life and help me make 
the right decisions. Help me understand who you are in my mind and help me know who you are in my heart. Take residence in my life, Lord God. I thank you that I can even talk to you like this because of what you did on the cross. I thank you that I'm not separated from you, but I can have this relationship with you and that you can restore all the broken places in my life. So right now, I thank you that you've come into my life. And I know that I might have struggles, but I know that you're there with me. And I pray, Lord, that your plans for me will bring me to places that far exceed my expectation. Help me to see that in your word, that those are promises you've already given me. And help me to live each day not falling into temptation, but I know that you deliver me from evil. And I pray that your kingdom will be present in my life every day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.